MOW fans, I have a tiny confession to make. As you know, I was pressed for MOW for Fightland, and I had the opportunity to go there live in Philly at the 2300 Arena, which is amazing because ECW made it famous, and I was in the house that ECW built. But my confession doesn't start there. Oh, no. My confession is never betting against the babyface, the MOW hometown hero, Hammerstone. And if you guys keep listening to this podcast, you'll find out why towards the end of the podcast. And I hope you stay with me. What up, Rink Crew Army and MOW fans? Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows. And on this episode, I am going to go over in detail MOW Fightland and go over the first two matches, plus their amazing announcement that they had during their little segment of MOW Embedded that had Alicia Atu and her panelists. And you guys will definitely be hearing more of my confession during the main event. So let's just jump right into it. As you guys know, I was pressed for MOW and on October 2nd, it was Fightland tapings and it was such an amazing experience and I hope to do it again. I hope to next time definitely ask some questions to the wrestlers during the media scrum. I'm just still learning the ropes. I'm learning everything, but I'm having a great time doing it. And I hope you're having a great time listening to these podcast episodes and supporting me in any which way that you can. So the first match that we get that was televised live on Vice TV on October 7th is the fatal four-way of Myron Reed putting up his middleweight championship title against the legendary Tajiri versus Arez and versus Aramis. And this was a fatal four-way championship title match. It could have been anybody's win for this. There was no rules. All the rules are thrown out. Everyone starts in the ring and everyone is fighting everyone. There are no friends. There are no alliances between any of these four men. Everyone starts off with giving respect to Tajiri. Tajiri, as everyone knows, is a legend and to be in the house that ECW built is amazing. However, Arez thinks that he is smart. So he gives Tajiri respect, but then follows up with a full Nelson and tries to immediately get Tajiri down for a quick pin. But Tajiri is smarter than that. Tajiri knows all the tricks. And so he stops Arez. There really isn't much of a pin that goes on. Everyone else is now fighting each other and trying to get a pin victory in a very quick fashion, but that does not happen at all. Overall, this match was definitely a fun fatal four-way match. Definitely the highlights of this match is probably the middle of the match where everybody is doing over-the-top rope moves, flying in the air, soaring in the air, and defying gravity, and being the high flyers that all of them are, and putting on a spectacle. And now you know that I like my technicals and my ground and pound fighters as opposed to just 
high flying in general like i like an all-around wrestler and this is where you know i didn't really want to criticize the match but if this is truly the new lucha libre style where you have armies and heiress just flipping over each other not even taking a breather running back into the ring to get momentum to fly over those ropes to make sure you clear the landing and make sure that your opponents capture you, then I'm not really going to enjoy those type of matches just because I need some psychology behind it. Like, you know, don't bring me out of reality just because you want to get your stuff in and it has to be high flying moves that you don't take a breather or you don't sell. Like as soon as someone does their spot, there's another guy coming in to do their spot, but everyone on the floor has not gotten up yet to capture you safely. So there's going to have to be some really unique psychology talks when we have these type of matches because I was like, yo, when is anyone going to breathe? Like it was hit after hit after hit. And when I say hit, I mean the high flying maneuver. And I'm just like, these guys need to breathe. You need to let things settle down. I know you want to keep the crowd going and keep the adrenaline going because sometimes you might miss the mark. And then all of a sudden the match turns out bad because the energies just drop. And I totally get that. But you also have to be smart in picking when to do your high flying moves versus letting the fans soak in the amazing athleticism and acrobatics that you do during the match. That's it. Don't take me out of reality because you guys need to get your Lucha stuff in. You guys could get your Lucha stuff in, but make sure to breathe in the process. Make sure to at least have some type of downtime because it's unfair to your coworkers that have to get up right after the first one to catch you on the second one coming in, you know, like let them breathe, let the fans breathe, let the fans take in like, Oh my God, that was an awesome moment. Rather than trying to one up your buddy in the match that you shouldn't really be doing because you guys should all be giving yourselves equal spotlight, even though you're supposed to one up each other. But the fact remains is that slow down when you're doing these high flying moves so that way they can mean something. I just want Arez and Aramis to have their moves mean something when they're in fatal four ways, when they're in a triple threat, when they're in a tag team, when they're in a singles match, because I even criticize their singles match. Because they were doing nothing while doing nothing. Meaning they were doing all the right moves in Lucha Libre. All the simple arm drags and simple things that people get super excited for. When it's like it's not that big of a deal. But there was no substance behind it. There was no passion. There was no aggressiveness with some of it. So that's where like I'm at. And if this is going to be the state of the new age Lucha Libre, then I'm not sure if I'm going to enjoy it. But that's the only part in this match that sort of kind of threw it off for me because, again, I do not mind if wrestlers do their acrobatic stuff. They are amazing at it because I can't do it. But please let me enjoy your acrobatic abilities 
and let me breathe a little bit before you do your second over the top rope move. That's all I asked for. Aside from that, we had an amazing just one-on-one back and forth battle between Sajiri versus Myron Reed. And that was a beauty to behold. And so, as you know, Sajiri is famous for spitting that green mist. And therefore, he spit that green mist right into Myron Reed's face. And Myron Reed sold the hell out of that. Sajiri goes in for his patented kicks. And manages to cover Myron Reed, get the one, two, three, and we have a new middleweight champion in Tajiri. Tajiri gets to bring home some gold to all Japan pro wrestling, and that's going to be an amazing celebration. And congratulations to Tajiri for winning the middleweight belt, which is amazing in 2021. I don't think anyone had that on their bingo card of 2021 of seeing Tajiri live. And then also seeing him win the middleweight championship title. And now for that major announcement. No, we're not there yet for my confession. We're getting there. We're going to get there after I announce that on MOW Embedded, they revealed that on November 6th, MOW will return to Philadelphia to the 2300 Arena and making his debut from New Japan Pro Wrestling and the real IWGP World Heavyweight Champion Will Ospreay will be in action. We don't know who his opponent is. I gave one suggestion and that is Hammerstone and I'll explain in a little bit but let's dissect this for a moment. We are going to be getting a New Japan Pro Wrestler Will Ospreay in MOW making his debut in MOW, no less. The interesting thing is that he just recruited TJP, and TJP has been all over the wrestling scene. You can see him at MOW, Impact Wrestling, and also New Japan Strong. And he's also been a trainer once in the dojo for New Japan itself. And how interesting is this? So... We are soon coming up on October 16th and 17th. New Japan Pro Wrestling will be in Philadelphia and will be at the 2300 Arena. And we're going to have the tag team of Will Ospreay and TJP taking on Clark Connors and Ren Narita. Because apparently the story is that TJP turned on the Young Lions. He turned on Clark Connors and I believe Ren Narita was part of that. I'm not sure. I still have to do more research on how this came about. But TJP turned on Clark Connors, turned on the Young Lions, and decided to join Will Ospreay and the United Empire. Well, I still have questions. Because if you guys remember during New Japan Resurgence, back on August 14th of 2021, Will Ospreay was talking shit about everyone and anyone and proclaiming that he is the real IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. Well, what changed CJP's mind from August all the way to now to join the United Empire? Now, I will give it to TJP. TJP does have that type of personality where it fits the United Empire. Did you guys not see the way that TJP took a cheap shot 
at Davey Richards during one of the backstage segments during MLW Fusion Alpha, which, by the way, can be seen every single Wednesday at 7 p.m. on YouTube. And also, you can hear my reviews of MOW Fusion Alpha right here at anchor.fm forward slash square circle podcast and also on youtube.com forward slash square circle podcast, where I bring you up to date with the latest MOW news and match reviews and everything like that. But TJP just has that certain quality that fits. Even though I'm still not sure how to feel about TJP being in the United Empire, we'll see what happens come their tag team match this weekend and then on November 6th to see if there may be another tag team match or a singles match or how they're going to interact with each other when they cross paths on November 6th. Because it would be such a shame that TJP wouldn't be booked for November 6th. Like TJP is like really good at what he does. And I just want to see this interaction. I want to know what Osprey is thinking whenever he decides to choose somebody for the United Empire and see how they all fit. Because when he was in Japan before he got hurt, it felt like a strong unit. And that's what the United Empire is. It's a strong unit, even though currently Will Ospreay is running around and doing things for him and not necessarily for the United Empire. I haven't seen stuff done for the United Empire. Like, for example, Jeff Cobb has been getting flawless victories after flawless victories and I have yet to see on my Twitter timeline, which you guys should be following me at Marie underscore shadows. I have yet to see on my Twitter timeline any of the guys saying congratulations to Jeff Cobb for getting clean sweep victories in his G1 run, which, by the way, if Will Ospreay wanted to be the top dog and wanted to showcase that he is the real IWGP World Heavyweight Champion because he never lost it due to an injury that he sustained during a match with Shingo to get that championship title belt. Why are you not in this G1 in Japan to prove that you are the best, to prove that you are the real IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, and to definitely prove Shingo wrong and to let the company know they have the fake champion over there? Why? Aside from asking the difficult questions, I am super excited that Will Ospreay will be joining MOW, making his MOW debut at the 2300 Arena. And I am just excited to see what MOW has planned for him. I definitely want to see some interactions between him and TJP. And I definitely want to have both of them or one of them on this podcast so I can ask them all these difficult questions. Because it just doesn't add up to me. It really doesn't. If you're someone that likes to stick by your convictions, even though things change and mindsets change, and that's totally fine. If your mindsets seem to change, you're definitely growing. But in this certain situation, why would you align yourself with Osprey? Unless Will Osprey promised you a shot at that IWGP World Heavyweight Championship title and you decided to join. Like, there had to be some type of bribery. I don't think TJP would go on his own accord unless it's going to be all for him and he's doing it for himself. And now that means that we have two guys that are in it for themselves 
And currently right now, because the United Empire is split, Jeff Cobb and the Great Okan are doing fantastic in the G1 in Japan. Unfortunately, Hanare is still stuck in New Zealand. We have Will Ospreay running around and trying to recruit people and making them seem bigger than who they are. Who has recruited Aussie Open, which I really can't comment on them because I don't know much about or at all about their history. So I really can't comment about Aussie Open and then recruiting TJP, which I know a fair amount about. So it just makes me wonder. And I just ask these questions and I really want to see if there's any type of response out there, if anybody wants to share this with them. But like I said, I am truly excited for MOW to bring in Will Ospreay. Either way, MOW on November 6th is going to be a fun time, a fun event. Make sure to pick up your tickets. And if you're definitely listening to this episode and you want to throw in your opinion on any of the questions that I asked about why TJP is joining the United Empire or anything on Will Ospreay coming to MOW on November 6th, the easiest way that you can do that is leave a comment on the YouTube side or leave me a voice message via Anchor. Those are acceptable. Or you want to find me on Twitter at Marie underscore shadows and tell me in 140 characters. That's great, too. So if you want to get in on the conversation of these tough questions, just do so. And now time for the main event of Hammerstone, who comes in as our national overweight champion versus Jacob Fatu, who is the MOW world heavyweight champion. And this match has been two years in the making and it all came down to MOW Fightland. So let's get this confession out of the way. So as you know, I was pressed for MOW for October 2nd to be there live for the MOW Fightland tapings. Before that, I had a little fun on Twitter because my buddies, Duke from the Duke Love Wrestling podcast, which you guys should be listening to and following him as well, was chatting it up with Adam Bernard and also Candice. And those two are lovely people. Um, they are really down to earth and they really know their stuff. Uh, they both work for publications. Candace works for PWI and I'm guessing Adam does too. And Adam creates the foundation radio, which is his own podcast where he interviews people. And Adam, if you're listening to this, I'm so sorry if I got it wrong, but I do know you have the foundation radio. I just met them. We just became friends, but I'm putting them over on my podcast because they're cool people. Go follow them. They're awesome. So on Twitter, Adam Bernard is going for Hammerstone. That is his favorite in this match. However, Duke is like, no, the Samoan werewolf, Jacob Fatu, is going to be winning this. Me, I come in and I start talking shit. And sometimes when you talk shit about somebody and the outcome happens in the opposite direction of what you wanted, I think it's time and it's fair for me to confess that I was wrong. I just don't like big baby faces. Like if you really look at Hammerstone, he does remind you of Hulk Hogan. He has this really larger than life attitude, this really larger than life character. And it is completely 100% baby face. And I just don't like wrestlers who are just 100% baby face. 
even though like Hammerstone is a sweetheart okay Hammerstone is definitely a sweetheart especially during like the media scrums and he's a wonderful guy when he plays his character I'm just like oh my god I can't really stand baby faces like that like it takes a lot for me to cheer for a baby face or to like a baby face, but he's so 100% baby face. And I'm just like, I'm going to go against them because I like the bad guys when they win. And just because there's a different presence about being a heel and probably being heel is one of my favorite things. And, you know, sometimes I could be a heel if I want to. Uh, there's times where like I say shit, which I'm going to say what I said in my tweet that definitely was a heel even though i was spitting facts so let's get to what i said i basically sided with duke and i said that nah adam i have to side with duke here and i'm siding with duke that the simone werewolf jacob fatu is going to retain because i followed it up with anybody can win that national opioid championship title but it takes skill and company faith for you to be the MLW World Heavyweight Champion. And guess what? If you guys saw the must-see main event of title versus title on October 7th for Fightland on Vice TV, right after Dark Side of the Ring, you would know by now that Hammerstone is our double champion of MOW. He took the belt off of Jacob Fatu in a very amazing main event. Even being there live, it was a spectacle and it was something to witness. And I'm glad that I got the chance to witness it for MOW and then recounting my experience. And then you guys hear this podcast episode. And after I had tweeted that, I followed up my tweet saying that I think I chose violence that day. And I really think I did. I was like, anybody could win that national openweight championship title, but it takes company faith and skill to win the MOW World Heavyweight Championship title. And that's what Jacob Fatu was doing as he was champion. The way that he moves, he's so athletic. He's a big guy, but he's doing moonsaults like he's a cruiserweight. He's moving around the ring like he's a cruiserweight. And then he gets back up as if like, all the pain he's suffering, he eats it for breakfast. And it doesn't matter what you throw at him. He's going to come at you and destroy you. So that's the type of like ruggedness that I could get behind that I can definitely cheer because, you know, it's a warrior type of thing. And I think that's just my inner fighter in me that I like fighters. And I'm not saying that Alex Hammerstone is not a fighter. My God, he fucking brought it in the beginning of this match, like every single confrontation they had, he brought some type of aggressiveness to it. So I can't really call him a huge baby face, but he has the presence of the hero, the light, the baby face going against someone as cunning and crafting and definitely intimidating in this match and this whole entire buildup, a two-year buildup for title versus title and now we have a double champion. Thank God MOW wasn't like, yo, we're going to unify these championship belts. And I'm going to be like, uh, please don't be New Japan. Please don't be them because New Japan Pro Wrestling's 
idea of unifying the belts was fucking stupid and I missed the Intercontinental Championship title, but that's beyond the point. Thank God MOW did not unify both of those titles. Anyway, Alex Hammerstone did come in swinging and he came in ready to fight. This wasn't about a wrestling match where you see hold for hold and wanting to see the best technical wrestlers in the world. It could have been that, but then it would have been a shitty match. No, Alex Hammerstone came in and he definitely brought the thunder to Jacob Fatu. And Jacob Fatu did the same thing to Hammerstone. It was like these guys knew exactly what they were thinking and they definitely countered each other. While Alex Hammerstone came right out the gate and tried to set the pace for it being quick, because the quicker that you are against Jacob Fatu, you can throw him off his strategy and his game because Jacob Fatu likes to work at a medium to slow pace, letting you know that he has complete control. And that's where you as the wrestler who shines to defend and try to get an opening, you might mess up on your game plan and your strategy and bam, there goes Jacob Fatu with all of his power, with all of his intimidation, and he could definitely get the one up on you and definitely get the pin. But Alex Hammerstone knows this already. So even though Alex tried very early on to get the advantage, he did until Jacob Fatu decides to do a headbutt and that slows the pace down. Doing a couple headbutts, now Jacob Fatu is in control of the match and he's giving so much offense to Hammerstone with all these power moves and these power attacks. And Alex tries his best to get in some offense and create some distance and he does during this match. So it's definitely a back and forth of who can get the upper hand for maybe about like a couple minutes and then back and forth to the other one. I'm really surprised with all the athleticism that happens in this match. Hammerstone and Jacob Fatu are on the outside and Jacob climbs on top of the guardrail and does a moonsault onto Alex. And that was amazing to do it barefooted of all things. Jacob Fatu then does a power driver to Hammerstone on the apron, which you guys know is the hardest part of the ring. Then we have a chair that's set up into one of the corners of the ring, and Jacob Fatu just sends Hammerstone into that chair and then decides to take the chair, get up to the top rope, and does a coast to coast. During some time after they are battling, they do have a face-off and they basically show the whole entire audience and those watching at home that these two are two giant warriors fighting for the most important prize in professional wrestling, that MOW World Heavyweight Championship title. There is one point in this match where Hammerstone does get injured and he tweaks his ankle but he is a trooper and he still goes and fights Jacob Fatu to the best of his ability as if he never got hurt. But you could definitely see him favoring that ankle because he just came down on it wrong. It's a mistake. The little tiny mistakes always get wrestlers. Sometimes the big mistakes do and they have to end up getting surgery. But the little ones, man, I wonder how many wrestlers are frustrated that the tiniest of little things that happens always happen during important matches. So Jacob Fatu's manager does interfere in this match. And while Alex Hammerstone is on the outside, Jacob's manager, Samael, takes the spike and spikes Alex Hammerstone in the throat. And 
man, I have never felt really angry about that. I was like, really? You're going to go and spike him? Man, like, no one has really spiked anyone in wrestling in a while. So it's one of those fresh things to, like, see again. Either way, Hammerstone is hurting from that spike. They throw him back into the ring. Jacob Fatu goes and gets a table and sets up the table in the middle of the ring puts Hammerstone on that table and covers him with the Contra flag. Jacob Fatu climbs up to the top rope. Oh no. Jacob Fatu then goes to the... Jacob Fatu then does his amazing moonsault off of the top rope onto Hammerstone and goes for the quick cover and the referee counts one, two and Hammerstone kicks out of that and he is hulking up or hammering up. I don't know if that works, but he is getting a new breath on this match. He's getting a burst of energy and it just looked amazing. Like, I didn't even find it cheesy. I was like, oh my God, this can't be it. Like, you know, I wanted him to kick out when I was there live and then re-seeing the match with everyone else on the 7th. Like, I still felt that. I was like, oh no, this can't be it. They were putting on such a good performance that I was changing my tune during this match because Alex Hammerstone was giving me so much more from what I had previously seen. And he could definitely go the distance. He definitely has an amazing stamina and cardio approach to this match because this match went on pretty long. But it was just amazing back and forth. And you felt the two warrior spirits when they were in this match. So like I said, Hammerstone has a new burst of energy and he's taking the two fought two and he's landing big offense moves two fought two and they have this face off in the ring and in one last attempt Hammerstone gets Jacob up for a TKO and brings him down to the mat and covers him and the referee goes one two three and there is the roar of the crowd and the ringing of the bell. And we have a brand new double champion that is Alex Hammerstone, who is both the MOW World Heavyweight Champion and also the National Openweight Champion. And there was tears coming down his eyes and it was such an emotional roller coaster. It was fantastic to watch and even to rewatch it. The same feelings I felt during the live event came back and it was something amazing. It was something different. It didn't feel like an ordinary main event that you'll get like from WWE. Just mainly WWE, but it wasn't an ordinary main event that MOW put on. MOW is definitely here to stay and they are truly what they mean when they say that they are combat wrestling and it's really nice to have a different perspective on wrestling when it comes to MOW and the guys that they pick to be on the roster whether that's for a contract contract or for paid by appearance and even the appearances are worth it to come to MLW and just to showcase what they have. The Philly crowd was amazing. The wrestlers were amazing. Me getting the chance to cover MLW and being press 
making friends and making sure that I am reminded that I love what I do was fantastic through and through. So yes, I ate my words and I was totally wrong in what I tweeted, but I really do highly respect Alex Hammerstone now and I still respect Jacob Fatu and these guys really did an amazing main event and MOW as a whole did an amazing presentation from start to finish in my experience being there. And again, I do hope that I'm there for November 6th so I could just bother the hell out of Will Ospreay and maybe bother TJP. You know, I do this all in good fun. I love professional wrestling. I love giving suggestions and trying to be an advisor to wrestlers and person now and cheering them on and just being an amazing cheerleader behind them. So here goes some fantasy booking before I get to all of my plugins. I had said on the internet on Twitter mainly because Duke was like, is Jacob Fatu going to get his rematch against Alex Hammerstone for that MLW World Heavyweight Championship title? And I came in and I said, nah, let's book Will Ospreay versus Hammerstone November 6th in Philadelphia. It could be for whatever, but let's just book them to have a match because Jacob Fatu needs to recover and recharge not only himself, but also Contra. So I would definitely love to see Will Ospreay versus Hammerstone in a match. Whatever MOW management wants to do with the belts or whatever the case may be. But I think that would be your moneymaker. You have Hammerstone as the babyface and the light and the hero of MOW taking on Will Ospreay, who's definitely in it for himself and definitely carrying the banner of New Japan Pro Wrestling because he says that he is the real IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. Well, why not put that up against the newly crowned MOW Champion, Alex Hammerstone? Hammerstone loves challenges. So does Will Ospreay. Both of them are two different competitors in this ring and they have two different career paths. And I think that would definitely make this the most must-see match because now, even though Osprey is in the heavyweight division, he's still got that high-flying charisma as he once had when he was a junior heavyweight. So that's never going to leave him. And he has his own charm and attitude towards everything in wrestling. And who knows? Maybe if that match happens... Will TJP turn on Will Ospreay just to, you know, poke at him and be like, oh, it's my fault. You know, uh, that never should have happened. Or will TJP help him during a main event like this to then maybe challenge Alex Hammerstone next? Who knows? There's many different paths that we could definitely go on from here. And those are just a couple off the top of my head for matchmaking. And that's one thing that I love is to do fantasy booking in professional wrestling just because these matches get me excited and the wrestlers that you know give a thousand percent in this business and love this business as much as i do it gets exciting so imagine that ladies and gentlemen will osprey versus alex hammerstone whatever mlw management wants to put whether that's for the belts a stipulation or whatever the case may be 
And let's see if TJP is truly a member of the United Empire. Will he help Will Ospreay if this match comes to fruition? Or will he go into business for himself and have Osprey lose? So that way he could definitely challenge Alex Hammerstone for a shot at the MOW World Heavyweight Championship title. And I mean this of TJP doing and not Will Ospreay. All right, Ring Crew Army, I am going to keep these plugs very, very short. If you enjoyed this huge review of MOW Fightland, well, thank you for listening and sharing it with others because sharing is caring. Make sure to get the word out. The most powerful way for me to grow is word of mouth. So make sure you do that. This podcast episode will be on all major podcast platforms such as Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcast episodes from. So it will be anchor.fm forward slash square circle podcast. If you want the video version of this, it's going to be up on the YouTube side, youtube.com forward slash square circle podcast. And if you want to talk more about this with me via Twitter, make sure to follow me at Marie underscore shadows on Twitter. And if you want to take it a step further via Twitter, make sure to sign up for my newsletter. Just hit the subscribe button on my profile and your email will be added and you'll be getting free wrestling content to your inboxes. Who doesn't like that? Follow my journey. And for the last thing, if you want to take it a step further and if you enjoy all of my commentary, my match breakdowns, the way that I think, the way that I book, everything in general, please make sure to head over to patreon.com forward slash Marie Shadows because together we're making wrestling memories. And being at MOW Fightland was definitely a wrestling memory. You guys don't want to forget. I don't want to forget. So if you want to join me on this journey, then please make sure to head over to patreon.com forward slash Marie Shadows. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to an episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and I'll see you guys on the next one.